0: You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, today uh, we are starting a new series, and uh, it's called No One Walks Alone. Before I I, I jump into that, I just want to mention next Sunday... Um, If you're a catalyst here at Calvary, which if you're not familiar with kind of our language, uh, we don't have members. We have catalysts. Uh, We've chosen that language because members are about, you know, being part of like an insider's club. And uh, being part of Calvary isn't about being part of some insider's club. But rather, we want to equip you to be a catalyst for change in the world. So uh, we have uh, a meeting scheduled for next Sunday after service for all those who are catalysts. This year, we've shifted our fiscal year um, from January to December to now being July 1st through June 30th. Uh, more follows the school year um, and kind of rhythm of ministry. Um, So because of that, we have to approve our financial reports for this past fiscal year. So it'll be a pretty brief meeting. We'll share some updates on things and vote to approve our financial reports. So that's gonna be next Sunday after service right here in the sanctuary. It'll be very brief. If you are not a catalyst, you are more than welcome to hang out and hear. What we're doing and how we operate. Uh, these aren't closed groups. Like I said, we're not part of an insiders club. Just those who vote uh, to approve those venture reports have to be catalysts here. So uh, we'll mention that uh, just next week. So today we're we're starting a new series called No One Walks Alone, and uh, this is a, a, such an interesting uh, topic and series and uh, something we've you know prayed about and processed. And you know in our in our country we find ourselves in a really interesting time where we are isolated and lonely. And our population has never been greater, and yet we have never been more alone. And the emotions and response of that can be handled in a few different ways. You know, as Christians, sometimes we uh, are guilty of making things seem like they're insignificant. Like, hey, if you just uh, stop feeling lonely, then you'll stop feeling lonely, right? Or, or if you just knew God a little bit more, you wouldn't be so uh, feel so isolated or feel so uh, alone. And I, I, I understand, and scripture shows, that it's way more complex than that. And first of all, as we kind of start this series, I wanna make sure that you understand this is a safe place. And what that means is that we recognize what you're walking through, and we don't try to deny that or act like we're living in an alter, like, rea- alternate reality that uh, your loneliness or your isolation or, or what family members are feeling isn't real. It is real, it's because you feel it. Um, the question is, what do you do with it? That's the big question. What do you do with those feelings? What do you do with that, that feeling like you're in that place? How do we respond? What do we do moving forward for that? And that's what we wanna talk about the next three weeks. Uh, you know, there's something really unique uh, about the building that many of you sit in today. Uh, of course, it's our sanctuary, family center, our worship center. Um, but uh, as I've been here uh, now 12 years, I've learned something unique about this building that I didn't know before. Um, and uh, if you dove into the blueprints of this building, uh, some of the blueprints we have are really interesting because in the right-hand corner, it doesn't say Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. It actually says Calvary Cathedral in Millville, New Jersey. Those are our blueprints. It's kind of. Weird, Like, what is that all about? Um, and, and the reason for that is because when this church was built, when this building specifically was built in 1985, um, our church bought plans that were put on, put, uh, put together by a man by the name of Bob Hamilton, who was a, a church architect. And he had made these plans and then resold them to churches all over the country. Not dishonestly, everyone knew that. It wasn't like a, you know, bait and switch type of thing, but they were a little bit cheaper. And so our plans for this building <clears throat> were put together for one church and then used many times over. In fact, if you go down the turnpike, just one exit to Monroeville, there's a church there right off the exit, Monroeville Assembly of God, that if you were to walk into that sanctuary, the layout, at least, of that sanctuary is almost identical to the layout of this sanctuary. Uh, well, now, that sounds nice and all, but when they built it, when they built this building, uh, they didn't always follow the plans Completely. Why? Because it was built for a church in New Jersey, not in Irwin. So sometimes they would change some things, but they didn't mark those changes on the blueprints. So as we've done some updates and you know fixed things and all of that, uh, we sometimes encounter these situations where you know what the blueprints say is in a wall or in the concrete or whatever isn't necessarily there because when they built it, sometimes walls are in different places, bathrooms might be in different places stairwells can sometimes be in different places. And, and it creates this situation where we're updating things, we have to do a little extra work to uh, make sure that you know, what is there isn't there so we don't go ripping out a wall and like, blow out our sewage line or electrical or something like that. And, and it's this interesting thing, like why, why would we even talk about that? What does that have to do with anything? Well, because when you don't have accurate plans, you often don't end up with the results that you're hoping for. Uh, it, it's like you go on a, a, a road trip and you've never mapped out your route. Um, the chances of meet, reaching your destination without having a map or a plan are kind of a guessing game. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Uh, well, over the, these, these few weeks, as we walk through this series called No One Walks Alone, we're talking about something that has ravaged the lives of people across our country in recent years, which is loneliness. And and we're lonelier than ever, feel more isolated than ever before, in large part because we've been working with the wrong plans. We've been trying to build a house, so to speak, that has a faulty foundation. See, we are often trying to build relationships today uh, off of the wrong things and oftentimes in the wrong ways. Our relationships might be built around uh, how they feel, how we feel or, or what works best for us or what might look best or what, what might benefit us. We, we live at a unique time in history where it's never been easier to establish a relational connection. Um, according to recent data, Americans spend on average two hours and 13 minutes on social media every day, every day. With the help of Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and some of you uh, Diehard MySpace users. Um, we know more than we've ever known before. We know more people than we've ever known before. There are people that you haven't seen in 30 years that you were friends with on Facebook. It's amazing, isn't it? We've never known more people and it's been more connected, and yet we've never felt less known. How is it we have all of these tools, all of these resources at our disposal, and yet we still find ourselves so lonely? Earlier this year, uh, the U.S. Surgeon General for the United States, the U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murphy, released an advisory calling attention to what he referred to as the public health crisis of loneliness, isolation, and lack of connection in our country. Here's here's what he wrote just briefly in his uh, advisory report. He said, our epidemic of loneliness and isolation has been uh, an underappreciated public health crisis that has harmed individual and societal health. Our relationships are a source of healing and well-being, hiding in plain sight, one that can help us live healthier, more fulfilled, and more productive lives, given the significant health consequences of loneliness and isolation. We must prioritize building social connection the same way we have prioritized other critical public health issues such as tobacco, obesity, and substance use disorders. Together we can build a country that's healthier, more resilient, less lonely, and more connected. How can we have so many tools available to us uh, to build connections, to build relationships, yet feel so disconnected and still feel so lonely that it's reached an epidemic level like we just heard? It's because loneliness isn't simply about who you know, but who knows you, how how you're responding, how it's coming to you. Uh, And and when you build something on a faulty foundation, no matter how hard you work at it, it's going to somehow find itself broken. And when I hear statements like what our Surgeon General says about the desperate need for social connection, I can't help but look at that and think, man, what an incredibly pivotal time this is for the church. Like God has made us for this moment. We are a place where healing and connection and relationships should happen in a healthy way. This this is what the church is made for. God has designed the church to be this place where people can be cared for, where they can find belonging. Now now let me be clear, the church doesn't exist to be a social club. It's not simply why we're here. We're not not here just for relationships, but relationships are the vehicle God often uses to transform us. This is one of our core values, that we grow best in the context of relationships. God has wired us to be connected, and through those connections, we're shaped and we're molded. In fact, in, in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, it says this, that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Like God made us to to sharpen each other. It's our interaction that that sharpens us. Meaningful relationships are how God shapes us and molds us to be the men, the women that he created you to be, that he created me to be. With that said, that that doesn't mean that, that, uh, that Calvary or any church for that matter is going to be a place where you're always happy Always love everything that's happening or a place that exists simply to please you. Instead, Calvary exists to be a place where we can work hard to create environments that healthy relationships can be developed as you, as you pursue Jesus and develop this amazing overflowing life that transforms everything it touches. It doesn't mean that you're the center of the universe or I'm the center of the universe. We're gonna be uncomfortable sometimes, but, but in relationship, we push through that. You see, Calvary is a place where social interaction isn't our end goal, but instead a place where our commitment to God and to each other creates this environment for deep, meaningful relationships to happen. We are to be a place where no one walks alone. And I, I know saying that sounds, can sound so trite and, and almost like uh, empty and hollow. But but that's our goal, that's our end. But why? Because we are here to be committed to what God wants and to be committed to each other. A place where the hurting can find healing, a place where the lonely can find connection, a place where the broken can be transformed into something beautiful. And and we have stories sitting here this morning that are evidence of those things. Now, why do we have such a strong view of relationships and its role in our own faith journey? It's not not just to build numbers, it's not just because we want everyone to be mentally healthy, Like, those things are important, but, but it's because, ultimately, it's what God has modeled for us. You see, from the moment God created human beings, he set the human race apart from the rest of his creation. The, the human race is different from any other part. Human beings are the singular creation that God created in his image. In, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, we're given the, the account of creation. And, and it says, this, so, so God created mankind... In his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So you, where you sit right now, what you're walking through, you were created in the image of God. In the Greek, it's referred to, or it's literally referred to as the imago Dei, that we carry the imago Dei, the image of God. This is why every single human being, From the unborn child to the aging senior citizen, from those that look like you and talk like you to those that you can't stand be around, for those that can't care for themselves to those that are caring for others. Every single human being has value because every single human being carries the image of God. Those that you can't stand and that are enemies to our country or to your family, God loves them and they have value because they carry the image of God. Maybe sometimes it's harder to see the image of God in them, but but they are valuable because they carry the image of God. And part of that imago Dei is how we interact with each other. What that means is God is relational in part of of his relational wiring has been given to us that we are relationally wired. Now I know some of you are so introverted that you don't want to talk to anyone, but there's still a relational wiring. Others of you, you could have a conversation with you know a telephone pole. Like you love talking to people, you love it. Why? Because it's your wiring. Regardless of the expression of that relational wiring, we all possess this relational wiring. And one of the great examples uh, that God gives us of of how He interacts is found in this idea called the Trinity. Now, the Trinity, if you're not familiar, is the idea that God is one God, but three persons. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we're not gonna go into too much detail on that, but essentially, that's what you get. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And how they interact is such a remarkable, remarkable example for us. And, and here's what's awesome. God is a relational God, so he's, he's not just interacting with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but he interacts with us in that same way. One of the best recorded examples of the Trinity's interaction is found in Matthew's gospel, chapter three, uh, Christ's baptism, as Jesus is being baptized. And to give you a little background, Jesus was 30 years old. He was preparing to begin his three-year public ministry. And, And what was going to unfold in the next three years would fill the pages of what we know today as the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four books would be written, recording the incredible supernatural things that Jesus would do across this earth through his public ministry. And he's preparing for that. And, and before Jesus began this ministry though, he wanted to model this important step of baptism. And so he, he goes out his way, he comes from Galilee to the Jordan River, ultimately to be baptized by his cousin, that was known as John the Baptist, which is an appropriate name, right? If you baptize people, you should be called a Baptist, right? Makes sense. And as Jesus is being baptized, we see this beautiful snapshot of how the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, how the Trinity interacts. It's two verses. It's only two verses, but it's so deep because what we get uh, modeled for us, what we, we see this example of is how we can interact in a healthy way, how, how we can find this healthy, vibrant relationship. What we see modeled here is something really each and every one of us long for in some way. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Now, in these brief two verses, God gives us this clear example of what the foundation for healthy, lasting relationships are. Now, some of you are like, man, but I feel so alone. Why are we even talking about this? Here's, Here's a simple thought on this. We oftentimes long for friendships or we long for for those connections. And in those moments, one of the best things we can do when we need a friend is to be a friend. And I know that sounds backwards, like why would I be a friend when I need a friend? This is kind of at the core of following Jesus in Christianity, that when we, Paul writes this in Philippians, that when we put others ahead of ourselves, we find what we are putting ahead of ourselves being met. Uh, Proverbs says that those who refresh others are themselves refreshed, and if we can start to create an environment around us of healthy relationships, you know what we will start to find. We start to find those relationships cultivated. It's kind of almost like a, a garden. As you start to put the right ingredients and components in place in that garden, healthy things start to be produced. Good things start to be produced. When we can create a healthy relational environment, we will find that uh, no longer do we walk alone. We found friends because we. Were a friend when we needed a friend. And here, here's, here's kind of what we see uh, taking place. In these verses, we see these components of healthy relationships. And, and what we're gonna talk about, just three things uh, briefly today, weren't the result of some nationwide survey. They're not the result of uh, some big study on human interaction. But this is rather uh, what the God who made us modeled for us like a God who wired us, who shaped you, who molded you in your mother's womb. This is how he interacted, and, and this is what he's called us to. And these are three simple but clear components of healthy, life-giving relationships that we see modeled. And whether you know, you're you a top executive in your company or just starting your collegiate journey, we all long for these vibrant relationships that we see modeled. For some of us though, unfortunately, you know, if we lived a little while, we've been so deeply hurt at times as we've tried to pursue relationships with others. We've, we've come to conclusions that, that, that the meaningful relationships that we long for are nice thought, but they're really an impossible uh, thing to ever achieve. There's something we're rarely ever going to experience outside of maybe a good Hallmark movie. And some of you, you've given up on that idea. So you have these surface relationships. You, you, you aren't vulnerable with people. The truth is we all carry these relational hurts that have caused us to believe the lie for the sake of our own safety, for the sake of our own uh, sanity, that we should simply isolate ourselves. That that we need to protect ourselves from being hurt or wounded again so we keep to ourselves. We hold on to our heart and we never allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to be hurt again. Maybe that's where you are today. We see in this moment in in Matthew 3 that there's something incredibly life-giving and healthy that can take place when we are willing to to open ourselves up and engage in meaningful interactions with people to have deeper relationships and, and I pray that just these few moments that that God could change your perspective, maybe you could see a glimpse of what of, of what healthy relationships in your life could look like. See what if we as a church could be a place where fake plastic interactions are surrendered for the sake of healthy, meaningful relationships? What if we could create an environment where people are seen and heard rather than looked down to or talked down to and yelled at? What if we could be a church where truly no one walks alone because we are actively looking out for one another? This is what Jesus said in John 13, that we will be known as his disciples, as his followers, as we are willing to love one another. I, I know that might sound pretty unrealistic in today's world, but, but even, uh, it might even sound like a childish fairy tale. But I deeply believe this is possible. And while we are a church of imperfect people that so often fall short, this is something that God is wanting to see happen. And it's not about perfection, it's about progress and seeing progress towards that. And and can I tell you that there are moments that we will fall short? And in those moments, you know, one of the greatest responses we can come to is being willing to apologize and recognize when we've messed up. That's part of healthy relationships. Not that we try to uh, keep up this idea, this front that we're perfect and we never do anything wrong. But healthy relationships aren't just present when things are going great, but even when things don't go right. So when you make a mistake and you mess up, it's okay to say, you know what, I messed up. I'm sorry, I hurt you. I shouldn't have done that. That's, that's, that's an important component of healthy relationships. So, so we see these three things and we want to dive into. Just walk through here briefly in Matthew chapter 3 uh, that we see modeled by the Trinity, by Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The, the first integral part of healthy relationships we see in this story is purposeful movement. See, Jesus was in Galilee. He came to the Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist. He didn't have to, but he intentionally did because he had a purpose in mind. And in verse 16 it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. There was activity, there was movement we can sometimes think that we'll find you know our closest friends when god just simply like drops them into our life like it'll just happen like we just sit here and wait and it just happens but but that's not how that works but instead what lays the foundation for a healthy relationship and what what helps create a place where no one walks alone is when individuals when individuals are willing to have purposeful pursuits meaning that we're going somewhere that we're we're moving somewhere we have a purpose in mind because as we pursue God's purposes for us we lay the foundation for relationships with others who are on a similar journey isolation happens when we believe the lie that we that we're the only ones experiencing what we're walking through like what I'm feeling what, I'm the only one but but that's not true there are others that that you can connect with uh, one of the greatest statements that develops relationships is oh you're walking through that too are you dealing with that too It's it's recognizing that when we're on a journey, when we're going somewhere, we're purposeful in our pursuits that that we find others who are along the way on the same path and we can build those relationships. Do you know why this is why we have life groups? We don't have life groups because, you know, we're a church and we're supposed to do these types of things and we gotta give ourselves something to do during the week after Sunday. No, that's not why. We have enough to do. We don't need to just add more things to everyone's schedule. We have life groups because it's an opportunity to find people who are on a similar journey And to build those relationships. And sometimes those relationships are maybe just for a semester, but those relationships help you get through that semester. And sometimes it's for a longer period of time. But but we build those relationships because God uses those relationships to help encourage us and support us and help us grow. And and that doesn't happen by just, you know, sitting at home, watching the news, getting discouraged about everything that's happening. That happens as we're willing to step out and be purposeful with our activity, purposeful with our movement, purposeful with our decisions. Because purposeful movement lays the foundation for healthy relationships. And and the question would be are you walking purposefully forward? Are you taking steps to purposefully move forward? Are, are, Are you being purposeful in what you're doing? The second thing we'll see here in the second part of Matthew 3.16, it says this, at the, the moment heaven was opened, as Jesus came out of the water, he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. One of the challenges presented in today's culture is so many are aiming to find their spotlight. They want their like 15 seconds of fame. We live in a world where everyone is seeking out affirmation, approval, recognition. They just want recognized for what they're doing. The downside of that kind of a pursuit is it kills this important component of of healthy relationships that we see modeled in this moment by the Trinity, that healthy relationships are formed when people are willing to shine the light on each other. We're not looking for recognition, but we're willing to recognize others, that we're willing to shine the light on others. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and and you can read throughout uh, the New Testament, the Holy Spirit's role. and so often he's pointing people to Jesus, rather than always looking to add one more fan or one more follower, what if we could just start becoming each other's biggest fans? If we could do that, we'd lay the groundwork for healthy relationships. That that when you see someone, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's someone else from church, maybe it's a friend, when you see someone that accomplishes something, don't be threatened by that. Celebrate it. What if we could be each other's biggest fans? What if we could shine the light on what others are doing? Maybe you're in a, leadership role in your company, your business, you have the opportunity to shine the light on someone that no one else recognizes or sees. Maybe you're kind of an entry-level employee, but you get to shine the light on what someone else is doing that you won't get any credit for, you won't gain anything from, but they will. How can you shine the light on someone else? How can we celebrate and be someone else's biggest fan? And the final thing we see modeled here. Is that God the Father affirms Jesus in his words? Here's what it says in verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. See, God wasn't simply assuming Jesus knew how important he was to him. But he said something about it in his words. And not only that, he said it specifically. We maybe, maybe you have people in your life I I have in my life where, man, they're so encouraging. They'll just be like, Man, you're awesome. You're amazing. You're good. And and you just like. Kind of shut it off after a while. He's like, okay, that's nice. Here's what Jesus, what God did, God the Father did for Jesus. And I think this is so important about our words and the power of our words in in building relationships, that they were specific. Maybe you you, uh, uh, have people in your life that you wanna encourage. Be specific. Man, I saw you did this. And that meant so much. I saw how you took time to show this person how to do that. I, I saw that you saw that new, that new employee, the new hire, and they were confused and lost, and you went out of your way when you had it somewhere to be, and you showed them where to go, and you helped them know that they felt they belong here. Like, that, that little detail. When you be specific. It, this is what I love about how God functions, you know, some people have this idea that God is this big being and he's so massive and, and, and he's disconnected from his creation and, and he just loves the creation like broadly and he, he doesn't really keep uh, his hands in anything specifically. But, but that's not the God that we read about in the Bible. The God we read about in the Bible is one that is incredibly personal. You can th- look throughout the, all of the world religions. Uh, God we're talking about of the Bible is the only God, the only deity you're gonna see that is that personal. In Hebrews, it says that Jesus, who is the son of God, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the pain of the cross. There was something specific that he sees in you. And if we can be willing, not just to be purposeful in our movement, not just be purposeful in our actions, not just have a a direction that we're going with our lives. And if if we cannot just shine the light on us, but but in our words, if we can be willing to speak life into people. The Bible says that that there there is life and death in the tongue. What does that mean? It doesn't mean we just speak life and death. It means that we get to share life and death with those around us. We've had those bosses that are, you know, no offense to anyone named Nancy, but they're negative Nancy's. If your name's Nancy, I'm I'm not talking about you. But we've had those people, right? And, And like the environment that's created in that workplace is miserable. What if you can create an environment around you where no one walks alone? Where you're purposeful and intentional about where you're going. You're not just kind of floating. How how do you do that? Man, that's what God created us for, that we have a purpose. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. What's that mean? That God has a future and he has purpose for each and every one of your lives. What if we could be purposeful with our lives? It doesn't seem like it has anything to do with relationships, but I can tell you, I promise you, it has a lot to do with relationships. And, And what if we, with our actions, could shine the light on someone else? Stop looking for the light to be shine on, shown on us. Stop looking for the attention, the recognition. Stop posting on Facebook, looking for people to pat you on the back and give you a lot of likes, maybe some loves, some thumbs ups, like whatever it is. Like, What if we stopped doing that and, and instead, what if we could start shining the light on others, on people that maybe we, we, uh, we know are never gonna get that recognition anywhere else? What if in our words whether it be in your marriage, your family, in your workplace, what if in our words we could start encouraging, affirming people? Not just affirming them like, you're a good buddy, you're a nice person. You know what, you're the nicest person I know. No, man, can I tell you, when you took time to talk to me the other day, I was going through something really difficult and that meant a lot to me, now you're being specific. If you could, in your words, be specific. What, what, where does this come from? This is what, what the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit do. As, as the worship team comes this morning, here, here's what I, I hope for over these next few weeks in your life, in your family. Here's what I hope for. That we see this beautiful synergy that takes place between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see this beautiful model and example that is shown to us by God. And it's not just to be something like that we uh, look at and say, well, I'll never attain that, like that's unachievable, that's, that's something I'll never reach out to, I'll, I'll never, no, it's supposed to be a model that we can see the culture that God has created and that he wants us to be part of. See, so that same relational God has reached out to you, that, that he reached out to you in your darkest moment. In the book of Colossians, it says, while we were yet enemies with God, like think about people in your life that you would consider enemies. You don't have to say their names. Think about people in your life that you would consider enemies. Imagine that person going out of their way to sacrifice everything for your good. Like this is what God did, because he desires not just a relationship with you, but that you could build healthy relationships around you, that you could build an environment around you where no one walks alone. When we are willing to create that environment around us, guess what happens? No one walks alone. Not just we don't walk alone. I understand like the feeling of that. But we make sure no one else walks alone. That when you walk into church and you see someone who's sitting by themselves and they're kind of keeping their head down and trying not to interact with anyone, that you make this commitment. You know what? I want to make sure no one walks alone. I'll go talk to them. It's not going to hurt you. Like it's not going to, you know, it might be a little uncomfortable for a moment but what you're doing is you're creating an environment where no one walks alone. Why does that even matter? Because this is what God has modeled for us. This is the culture he's created for us, not just at church, in our workplace, in the grocery store, in the restaurant, wherever we go, that we so value human beings because they all carry the image of God, that we are willing to make sure, even at our own detriment, that they aren't alone. And when I read words like what the Surgeon General said, I'm like, oh my goodness, what is happening in our country? God is setting things up for an incredible move of God because the problems that are present in our world aren't gonna be solved by legislation. They're not gonna be solved by more programs. They're not gonna be solved by more nonprofits, although those things can might help or all that. The problems in our country are ultimately spiritual problems that are addressed at the heart level. And guess what? We've got the tools to meet them. And God help us if we hold on to that ourselves. And we say, you know what? I got what I need. You figured out yourself. No, we are called to be a people where no one walks alone. Why do we have life groups? We have life groups because we wanna be a place where no one walks alone, where you can find relationship and others can find relationship. And not just for relationship's sake, but where we can grow together in the context of relationship. In a minute, we're gonna pray. As we pray, I wanna pray for two things for you today before we go. The first thing, I wanna pray that if you find yourself lonely, isolated, so disconnected, that God would begin to work in your heart, not just to magically fix it, but that God would bring people into your life that put their arm around you, people in your life that might not be your best friend right away, but can at least start the journey. God sees your pain. I love the verse in the book of Proverbs. It's a verse that I held on to many, many years as a single young man. It says that God places the lonely in families. And that was a prayer that I held on to, that God will answer that prayer, that he will place the lonely in families, that maybe you feel lonely, that God would connect you with a a family, so to speak. And number two, my prayer is that you can be a catalyst for change in this world to make sure no one walks alone. Whether you're introverted or extroverted, it's gonna take a little bit of uh, overcoming awkwardness for you. If you're extroverted, it's gonna be like, stop talking so much and just listen. If you're introverted, it's hey, let's start talking a little. Like, let's step out of our comfort zone if you see someone that's alone. Let's be those that are committed to making sure no one walks alone. Can we pray this morning? Bow your heads. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, for what you've modeled for us. I thank you for your love. God, that when we were yet enemies to you, you reached out to love us, to care for us. Lord, I pray you would help us to be willing to follow that example that you've set. God, I pray for those that are here that feel isolated, those that feel so lonely and disconnected. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you begin to stir in them, God, bring people into their lives, Lord, that could connect with them, God, your promise and your word says that you place the lonely in families. God, I pray that you begin to place the lonely in families. God, let them see the, the steps they can take to be part of that connection. God, I pray for those that are here, uh, that, that, Lord, you've placed lonely people. Lord, you've placed people who are all alone, who are disconnected. You've placed people, Lord, around them. Lord, that have, uh, are an island unto themselves. I pray you would help us, Lord, to make sure and be committed that no one walks alone whether it be in church or at work or wherever we go, that we could be those that put an arm around someone and let them know they have a friend. God, I pray as we leave this place today that we first would recognize the deep relationship we can have with you, that the God of the universe wants to be in relationship with us personally. And God, let us recognize the amazing responsibility you've given us to make sure that others can be in that relationship have your way in us through us god use us to make a difference in the world you've sent us in jesus name amen this is pastor nick poole the lead pastor at calvary we're so glad you joined us for today's podcast i hope you enjoyed the message at Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.